All right, good morning. Starting at the bottom of Vav Amid Aleph, Maseches Megillah. We're about nine lines or so from the bottom, and we're going to learn a lot of Agadata Gemaras, a couple of Halachic Gemaras, and um, we will um, uh, learn some of the famous ones about the mitzvah to get drunk, on, uh, or the mitzvah to drink, I should say, on Purim, the mitzvah of Matanos Levyonim, the mitzvah of Mishlach Manos Ish Ehu. Uh, one of the old pet peeves of calling it shalach manas. It's not the right word. It's mishloach manas. <laughs> so uh, we'll see today some of that language here in the Gemara. But let's get started with a couple of, uh, of Agaratas. Ten lines from the bottom. The Gemara says, Kesari virushalayim, the city of Kesaria and Yerushalayim. Im yomar lach adam if anyone will tell you that both of them have been destroyed, al te'amen, you should not believe them. If both of them were in existence and settled, you also shouldn't believe them. They seem to be a mutually exclusive bunch. If Kesaria had been destroyed and Yerushalayim had been settled, then that would be uh, believable. And as well, and if, uh, if it were to have been the case that Yerushalayim was destroyed and Kesaria was built up nicely, great, that's all believable. Shana'amar, because answer number one is because what does it mean? I will be full and I will be destroyed. So the drush is if one city is full and well, the other is going to be destroyed. And if one is full, then so basically they're yin and yang. Whenever one is successful, the other is not well. Bottom of Vavamad Aleph, about six, seven lines from the bottom. So that was answer number one as to how we know that Kesaria and Yerushalayim can't coexist. And then Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Amar Mehacha, he has another pasuk, one's going to be stronger than the other and similar application uh, over here. Another comment from uh, Rav Yitzchak. Rav Yitzchak, my what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Yuchan Rasha, we should be gracious to the Rasha, Baal Lomad Tzedek. So we, not to learn from his, uh, from his Tzedek, from his righteousness, a difficult Pasuk to understand. So the Gemara highlights that this is actually a dialogue between Yitzchak and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar Yitzchak Lifnei HaKadosh Baruch Shalom, Yuchan Esav. Look, he's not the greatest guy in the world, but Yuchan, we should have a little bit of grace to him. Omar Lo, Hashem says back, who's, who's in charge here? Hashem says back to Yitzchak, Roshahu, he's not a good guy. What are you talking about? So Amar Lo, Baal Lama Tzedek. There's nothing that you could learn from him that's good. So Amar Lo, Be'eretz Nechochos Yavel. He's going to destroy Eretz Yisrael. So this is already, already like the, the line in the sand. And when Yitzchak heard this, End of conversation. He was masking Omar Lo Imkain Hashem that he should not be Zoha to, to greet a Kurdish Baruch in uh, in Olam Haba. A similar story, but one generation later. Bamar Abitzrak, Abitzrak says, My Dirsiv, what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Al Titain Hashem Ma'avaye Rasha? Uh, don't give the desires in, in, given to the desires of the evil. Zimamo al Tafekerumusela, and don't remove his nose ring. What does this mean, Yerumusela? So says the Gemara, Amar Yaakov. Now it's, we were we started with Yitzchak in the previous one. Now we're talking about Yaakov. Amar Yaakov lifnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Ribono Shalolam. Al titain leesav harasha taivas libo. Don't allow him to have the desires of his heart, which is to destroy the Jewish people. What does it mean when it says zimamo al tafek? Don't remove his nose ring. So the Gemara says. Zu Germamia Shel Edom. This is the city of Germamia, uh, which is in Edom. So, according to some, it speaks of uh, a location known as Germany, uh, at least the predecessor terminology. I don't know if the locale is the same historically, I have no idea. But the Gemara then says, Shel Male Hain Yotzin, if you take off the nose ring, 
if you let the Germanians out of their uh, out of their cage, the Maharibin called Olamkula, they were very dangerous people, so they would destroy the world. Um, and the Gemara says about this, Barchanina, that uh, how was it that that uh, Yaakov got his prayer to be answered to not have the nose ring taken out? Like how did it work out that they didn't destroy the world? So the Gemara says on line three above Mubez, um, taga, there were uh, Ika, sorry. Tlasmeya, there are 300, there are 300 crowned kings, in that country of Germamia Shaladom. Utlasmeya Vishisin, and there are 360 Vichamisha, 365 Marzavni Ika Biromi, and there are 365 uh, Roman leaders. Fine. Uvichal Yoma, every day, Nafki Hani La Apehani, these two countries are warring with one another. And Umak Tilchad Minayu, Umitrade Le Ukme. Malka, and every every day they have a battle, and they've killed someone who would become a king or become a leader, and then they have to replace him. So they're spending so much time fighting with each other that they're not fighting with Klal Yisrael. Rav Yitzchak, yet another uh, comment from Rav Yitzchak, probably one of the most well-known uh, uh, well-known phrases uh, throughout Shas, says the Gemara, Im yomar lach adam yagati if a person says, I worked hard, Rashi says we're talking about learning Torah. If a person says, I worked hard and I was not able to understand the Torah, al ta'amin. This is a guarantee. If you uh, work hard in learning, you are gifted something beyond your own capacity. It's not normal. It doesn't just mean I, the math problem was hard and I worked at it until I toiled, until I found it, figured it out. Oh, now I know how to do the math. No, you get to have a deeper level, a greater level of understanding if you are yagaya. And if a person says the reverse, lo yagati, I haven't worked hard, but matsasi. The person says, I don't really work so hard in my learning, but I, I understand everything and then some. So that's also alta amen. You should not believe that person. Yagati umatsasi. But if a person says, I did work hard and I did find the results in learning, te amen, then yes, absolutely, you can then believe that person. That's a trustworthy comment. And the Gemara says, 10 lines down on Vava Mabez, qualifying this comment, Hani Mili, Bidivre Torah. This applies when we are speaking about Talmud Torah. Aval when it comes to business, whatever, whatever Yagiya you put in does not correlate with the outcome. Siatahu min Shemaya. You can try until you're blown. It doesn't matter. We don't control these things. Yes, there needs to be a hishtadlus. You have to get a job and you have to try to get a job that reasonably will support your family. Got it. But, you, but the actual dollar amount that comes into the bank account every couple of weeks, that's not something that you can control. That's all from upstairs. And even Torah, and even in regards to when one says that if a person works hard, that there is a correlate between your yagiyah and your metziyah, that's, that's only in regards to the sharpness, in regards to to the, to the power of understanding things. But to remember everything, <laughs> we're trying to plow through Shas. We're like 715 blood into Shas. Let's be straight up. What percentage of Shas do we know? It's not a very large percentage. So that is Lukme Girsa. When it comes to memory, Siatamin Shemayu. Those things are from upstairs. Again, we do need to do Chazara. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean it lands the first time and that you get everything the first time. Maybe in addition to a fast paced uh, learning like this, we need a slow paced uh, year separate of this to, to let things sink and still deeper. That's fine. But to say that you're, uh, to say that, uh, that the Siata di Shemaya is, uh, is an, it, that's not how it works. You have to, you only have Siata di Shemaya when it comes to learning. You can't just have the Omar Rabbi Yitzchak. Let's move on to another statement of Rabbi Yitzchak. If you see that there is a time when, for a Russia, everything is going very smoothly, everything is going his way, don't mess around with him. 
Kadosh Baruch Hu's got something bigger going on that says bigger than you, you should not be, uh, be making battles with those who do evil. Below Od, not only that, the pathways he chooses will be successful. That this Russia at this moment is going to have good happen to him. Below Od, not only that, but if you see that this Russia is having a, a, good, uh, a good run, then even upstairs he's going to have, uh, he's going to have good dinim, good mazel, things are going to go his direction. Below, and not only that, he'll be able to see his enemies. He'll be able to blow down his enemies with ease. So it seems that when the Russia is doing very well, that we're not supposed to push against it. But then says the Gemara, is that really true? The Russia doesn't get pushed back from the Tzaddik. That doesn't make any sense. One third of the way down. We just had from Rav Yitzchak that you're not allowed to mess with Rishayim. Says Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, absolutely, you can mess with Rishayim. Absolutely, Shenemar Ozve Sora Yehalalu Rasha Veshomre Torah Yiskarubam. The pasuk that's a mafurish pasuk. You can be miskare. Vitanya as well. Rav Dustai Bar Matan Omer Motor Liskaris Rishayim Bolamazeh. Another explicit comment that we can, in fact, uh, you know, make us think, and we can we can put up our, our values against their values. If a person says, I don't know, I'm not so comfortable, fine, that may be a din in you, that's fine. If you feel like you're not righteous enough, Rashi says here, that if you feel like you don't have enough mitzvahs or you have too many averas, then fine, maybe you're not the right person to go up against them. But if you're the right kind of tzaddik, we'll see what that means momentarily, then yes, of course, you are allowed to fight with them, no problem at all. Uh, so says the Gemara, Ella, how do we understand the Pasuk al-Tishar bin Mireim? If it doesn't mean that uh, you can't fight with them. What does it mean? It means Leo's Kimarim. It means you shouldn't be like they're evil. It means you shouldn't learn from them. We shouldn't be jealous of the bad that they do. We shouldn't want to be like them. Lastly, we should not want to be like them. So now we have a shot in the Pasuk in two different directions, which means we have to try and figure out who's right. So we have two different understandings of these Pasuk. And one says, that Rav Yitzchak uh, says that you're not allowed to be miskar, to be miskare with the Rishayim. And a lot of other Mariam Akomas, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai is no slouch, so he, he says you're allowed, so how does it work? So answers the Gemara halfway down, seven, eight lines before the middle with lines, Lokasha, Habimile Didei, Habimile Dishmaya. Oh, it depends what you're standing up for. If it's a personal fight, leave it alone. Just leave it alone, you're going to lose. If the rush is having a good run, you're going to lose. But when you're going to stand up for the Torah values, something's happening that's not right, and you put you plant the flag of Torah Judaism, then you're going to win with that, with that, uh, with that particular person. Some say that's not really the, the way to understand the sources. Really, it could even be about regular issues, interpersonal issues, not ones that have to do with religious values. First of all, it's good to know that you can be a tzaddik she'enu gamur. <laughs> it's good news for the Jews because uh, most of us are not tzaddik and gamurim. Uh, <laughs> so says the Gemara, there is a distinction between the tzaddik gamur and the tzaddik she'enu gamur, the full tzaddik and only the partial tzaddik. What's the difference between them? The Amar of Huna, my what does the Pasuk mean when it says, lo sabit bogrim tacharish bevala rasha tzaddik mimenu? So let's translate this Pasuk, tzaddik mimenu, if the person's a little bit more righteous than the other guy, then the Russia who's having a good run, bole, you'll get swallowed. That's not, for the average consumer, we're, well, we can put ourselves, let's say in theory, we could put ourselves, we don't do any big averas, uh, we're good people, we stumble here and there, but we're tzaddikim, we're just not tzaddikim gamurim. So then that's, then we're not the right people to do it. But if you're a tzaddik gamur, remember we saw distinctions in Masechus Tainus, our previous Masechda, people who were able to dive into a Baruch Hu and they just had Hashem, 
wrapped around their finger, like whatever, whenever Akiva opened his mouth, the rain started, like these, these unbelievable levels. So that's for a tzaddik gomor. So here we're not, we're not that level. But if you are a tzaddik gomor, then you will not get swallowed. And then yes, even in interpersonal relationships, you can fight against your shine. Vibayisema. And uh, another way to say it is that, no, don't mess around at all. That when the rush is having a good run, there's just no messing around, no distinctions to be made. Yes, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai says you're allowed to be miskara with a, with a rasha, but he didn't mean here. So there's three ways to understand this. So you have the two dots. First, of the very long middle width lines on Vavam Mibbez, the Gemara says, Amar Ula, Italia shall Yavan, the Italy, which is in the uh, which is in the domain of Yavan of Greece, that's one of the big cities, one of the big locales of Rome. We know that to be true to date, of course. Bahavia and the, its size is Tlasmea Parsa, Tlasmea Parsa, 300 square Parsas. They had 365, um, they had 365 marketplaces or shooks or stores, uh, one for each day of the, uh, of the solar year. The cotton Shebekulam, the smallest of them, Shel Mochre Ophos, was uh, one that sold chickens or birds. Bahavia Shisha Sarmil, Al Shisha Sarmil. That's a very big store. Uh, that's what real estate is all about. And this is a very, this is a massive chicken store and it was the smallest of them all. Umelech, the king of that empire, would, uh, would eat from one of the 365 uh, marketplaces, one per day. And then uh, he'd be able to reach everyone by the end of the year. <clears throat> and then what were the benefits of being a part of the kingdom? So says the Gemara, the Hadarba, anyone who lived there, you're an import. You, you, you immigrated to Italy. If you lived in that space in Rome, whatever the exact location is, we don't know, but it's somewhere over there in the boot. So if you were born there, if you lived there, but you were not born there, no tell pras me based on you were able to take from the, from the goods of the government. And as well, if someone was born there, you moved out of town, you read then no tell pras me based on So as long as you had anything to do with the country, you could still benefit from the, from the, from the goods of the government. There were 3,000 bathhouses there. And there were 500 windows. And when you steam, doesn't cause for, for walls to blacken. But when you're burning wood to make the water hot, that does. So they would um, make sure that they had this venting system where the blackened smoke would exit the walls of the city and not blacken. It was just a clever contraption, right? They don't have you know, the type of systems that we have, but we have these tall chimneys, but that's what they did. They built these, they called them chalonos, windows, but it was a system to let the air out in a space when it wouldn't cause for any problems. So uh, what, was the, what were the four sides of Rome? Last line before the new Mishnah, two-thirds of the way down on Yam. on one side there was water. So now we know that it's not the whole country of Italy because the whole country of Italy is surrounded by water. So now we know we're only talking about one aspect of this country, but let's see if we can figure out a little bit more. On one side, they had the shore. On the other side, uh, they had mountains. Um, they had a mountain range. They had built for themselves an, an iron wall. On the other side, they had a wall built from rocks and from water, a moat of some kind, uh, whatever it was, and that's what it was. So we know it was uh, wasn't the whole country. It was a large uh, piece of area, presumably. Although 300 parsa by 300 parsa, the Gemara uses the number 300 all the time. There are Mephorshim to discuss this topic. Why is it always 300? We have 400 often. There's like a lot of common themes and numbers. Okay. So, uh, but either way, this was uh, up against the shore and not the whole country.
That brings us to a new Mishnah toward the bottom of Vav Bez. This Mishnah is going to speak about some halachic aspects of Kriya Samagillah when there are two months of Adar as we have this year. However, our calendar was well-determined uh, before we got to this year. So we knew that there was going to be an Adar Rishon and an Adar Sheni. But back in the day, when they'd be Mekadosh Al-Piri'iya, it could happen that you would only know that you would need an Adar Sheni once you've already laned in Adar Rishon. So what happens in that case with Adar Sheni? What do you do? So that's what this Mishnah discusses. Let's say 14th comes around, whatever city you're in. Remember, we fo- focused on our Mishnah on Daf Beis. We focused on our Mishnah on Yudal, if you base, you give me Yudal, Tezvav, that the Megillah can be read in any of those days. And that first Mishnah um, detailed how that would all play out. But let's say you read the Megillah, and then Benis Abra Hashanah. And then the decision of Bezdin was that we need to have an Ibur year, an, an Ibur year. So we have to add another month in. So we're going to add a, an Adar Sheni right now. But you already laned, and you already did all the mitzvah, you drank, you did everything already. It says the Gemara, what do you do? So our Mishnah has no machlokas in it at all. Koren osabe adar sheni. Ah, reread. Good. And ein bein adar harishon, adar hasheni. There's no difference between the first adar and the second one. Elakriyas hamegillah umatanos laevionim. Except for these two. What does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says two thirds of the way down where it says masnisin dibur hamaschil ela mikra megillah klomar shima so berishon lo yatsa. In a year when we have two months, if you were to have lain the megillah in the first of those two months of Adar, you're not yotze. That is the shita of our Mishnah, and we're going to be asking right now in the Gemara what uh, who, whose shita is this? Where does this come from? We'll get to that in a moment. The, uh, the Gemara opens halainian seder parshios zevizes shabin. However, both months are seemingly equal as it relates to the Dalit Parshios. What are the Dalit Parshios? Take a look at Rashi again. The next Rashi, the one after the one we saw, Gemara, Dibur Hamaschil, Seder Parshios, Parsha Shkalim, Vizachor, Upara, Vehachodesh. Those are the four Parshios. And the Rashi finishes off, Ditznan, Bemasnisin, Dibnei Ha'ir, Dinohagin, Be'adar. Fine. Okay, let's discuss this later, but uh, we'll get into the Parshios later. But that's what the Gemara says, is that when it comes to Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni, while the Tana of our Mishnah agrees that the Megillah can only be read in Adar Sheni, the four Parshios can be read in, in either month. That's what it seems to be. Zevezesh Shavan, they have the same halacha. Let's continue. The Gemara asks, Mani Masnisen, who is our Mishnah like? Now, what the Gemara is asking here is that we have another source in the Tanaim, that we have to contrast with our Mishnah. And that source has three opinions in it. And in that uh, Mishnah, that in that Brisa that we're about to see, none of them seem to match our Mishnah. Lo Tanakama, Lo Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, Lo Rashbag. So let's see. We know what our Mishnah says, that you are only allowed to read the Megillah in the second month. And even if you read it in the first month, if we then decide to be Ma'aber the Shana, so then you have to read the Megillah again in Adar Sheni. So we know it's none of those opinions. Let's learn all three of those opinions and recognize how it doesn't align with the time of our Mishnah. Ditanya, four lines into the wide lines. Ditanya, Karu esa Megillah ba'adar harishon v'nis abra hashana. Same opening of our Mishnah. That what let's say on the first month of Adar you celebrated Purim perfectly, kehil chasa you laned everything, and then it was a decision to make a, a to be ma'abra the shana koron osabe adar sheni. Then yes, you should read it in the second month. Shekol mitzvah shenoagos b'sheni noagos b'rishon chutzmi mikra Megillah. So that's not the same as our Mishnah, because it's true that he says that mikra Megillah can only be in the second month, but in our Mishnah, it also includes matanos le'avionim. 
And it says that Matanos Avionim cannot be done in the first month in our Mishnah. That's our Tanakama. But here, the first Shita in this Brisa seems to be of the opinion that you can only uh, do Matanos Avionim, that you can, that, how does it work? He, he says, Megillah, that Mikra Megillah has to be read in the second month, but Matanos Avionim could even be given in Adarishon according to the Tanakama. So that is, uh, that is the first Shita. And uh, the second sheet in the Bryce is like this, that we are not allowed to read it in the second month. That's a, a wild sheet. We don't hold that way, of course. It says the Gemara, each month is the same as the other. That is the Shita of Rebiosi, uh, Rebelazar Rebiosi, a very, very different Shita than our Mishnah. At least the first Shita was close. Rashbago, Mermishum Rebiosi, Af Korinosa, Be'adarsheni. You could even read it in the second month. And here's the, how, the, how the Bryce explains Shekol Mitzvah, Shenagos Besheni, Ain Noagos Berishon. Uh, that uh, you should read it again, but because they're not nohag in that first month. The Shavin, and seemingly all of these opinions are, are equal in regards to the following. That on, the, on each of the Purim days during each of those months, that there's a restriction on giving eulogies and on fasting on, uh, on Yodali. So the first question that the Gemara asks is that it seems that Rav Shimon ben Gamliel Hainu Tanakama, because they both seem to agree that the only time that you can read the Megillah is in the second month. So Amar Rav Papa, Seder Parshios Really, there is a difference between the Tanakama and Rashbag, and that is the Seder Parshios, the four Parshios that Rashi referenced, Shkalim, Zachor, Para, and Chodesh. The Tanakama Savar Lechadchila B'Sheni. The Tanakama, even though the Brisa doesn't speak about it at all, the Tanakama was of the opinion that the Dalad Parshios should be in Adar Sheni, but the Avud Berishon Avud, but if you did them in the first month, you'd be Yotze. Barmi Mikra Megillah, except for the reading of the Megillah, Da'af al Gab the Karabarishon Karabasheni. So that's how we would understand the opinion of the Tanakama with the two factors of Megillah that can only be in Adar Sheni, but the Parshios that can be in Adar Rishon. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, Savar, Afilu Mikra Megillah, Lechatchila Barishon. And Rabbi Eliezer holds, as we saw, that Lechatchila, one can read in Adar Rishon. And if they decide to be Ma'abar the Shana, there's no need to read again. You were Yotzeh even in regards to the parshios, he held that the seder parshios can't be read in, in, the, uh, in the first month at all. Some money. How do we work out the authorship of our Mishnah? Is our Mishnah one of these three opinions, or is it a new fourth opinion? So says the Gemara, here's our problem. If we say that our Mishnah is like the sheets of the Tanakhama and the Brisa that contrasts with our Mishnah, then Matanos Levyonim don't match. Because our Tana of our Mishnah said Matanos Levyonim and Megillah must be in the second month. And the Tanakhama held that while Megillah has to be in the second month, Matanos Levyonim could still be in the first month. So it can't be him. According to Rabbi he holds that you can read the Megillah in the first month and therefore nothing to speak of. Of course, that doesn't align with our Mishnah, which says you can only read it in the second. And and according to Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Kasha Seder Parshios, his, uh, his approach to the Seder Parshios also doesn't make any sense with what we presume to be the case of our Mishnah. So the Gemara provides a couple of answers as to who the authorship of our Mishnah is like. Le'olam, according to one Tanakama, our Mishnah is really like the Tanakama. The Tana Mikra Megillah din Matanos And really, there's no difference between Matanos Avionim and Megillah. That's, uh, we're just going to correct the sheet of the Tanakama and the Brisa to align with our Mishnah. 
Very important halachic concept here that it's possible that Mikra Megillah and Matanos Le'avyonim are interwoven and there's no way to separate them. They're inextricably bound from one another. And therefore, when you do one in one month, the other will always follow in tow. Vi'ibayisema, a second way to understand the authorship of our Mishnah, is the Olam Rashbagi, really the author of our Mishnah, Zerb Shemim Ben Gamliel, and our Mishnah really should read as follows, and when we understand this new read, we will then understand how to understand our Mishnah. The only difference between first and second month is Mikra Megillah and Matanos Levyonim. However, and our Mishnah wasn't referencing at all. There's no room to even imply that our Mishnah was discussing the Seder Parshios, and therefore we don't have to worry about that being the flaw of Rav Shimon ben Gamliel's opinion. So that's uh, the way, to, the two different ways to understand our Mishnah. And the second way is that we hold that our Mishnah was authored by or equal to Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. How do we paskin in this regard? So Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Avin, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Hilchasa, Kirib Shimon ben Gamliel, Shamar Mishum Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel is the one who wins. How does Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel and our Tanakama, how do they figure all this out? Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Ushnem, Ikra'echa, Darshu, they figure this out. Both of them have their own shitas from one Pasuk. And says the Gemara, uh, going back to a Pasuk that we analyzed already, I think in four different ways, uh, we already learned this a couple of blot ago. The drasha is five lines from the bottom, Bichol Shana Vishana. That we're talking about the Pasuk that refers to every uh, year and year. How do we understand that? Rabbi Eliezer Bereb Yossi, who was of the opinion that you read in Adar Rishon, what, how did he understand this Pasuk? Savar Bichol Shana Vishana, when he looked at that Pasuk, he understood, Makol Shana Vishana, Adar Hasamach Lishvat. Right, what's the flow of the year? Shvat Adar. Shvat is before Adar. So just like in the normal year, we use, we say uh, the Megillah in the month of Adar closest to Shvat, Afkan, even in a year where we decided to make it an Ibriyor, so still there it should be Adar Hasamach Shvat, just like any other year. So we now know in our cycle, in order to keep the lunar and solar calendars aligned, that every, uh, seven out of every 19 years, we are Me'aber the Shana. We add in an Adar base. Fine. So says the Gemara that because most of the time Shvat immediately precedes the Adar in which we do the Megillah. So then if it happens to be a year where we were Ma'abar the Shana, still that year we're still going to do Adar Rishon. That's how he reads the Pasuk. The Rashbang Savar, he read the Pasuk of Bechol Shana Vashana differently. Ma'akol Shana Vashana, Adar Hasamach Nisan. There's two ways to look at it, right? It's In the normal year, it's Shvat Adar Nisan. And Adar is either going to be close to Shvat or to Nisan. In most years, it's close to both. But what happens in a year where there's a Shnas Ibor? So Afkan, other Hasamach Nisan, that when there is a Shnas Ibor, we can only do so in the second year. But the Gemara has a problem with this. Three lines from the bottom. I actually understand a little bit better the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer, which is that we don't want to pass up, up an, pass up on an opportunity to do a mitzvah. So if there's a, a date on the calendar called Yud Dalad Adar, and it happens to be the first of those two months, it's better to do the mitzvah then than to wait a month. We don't just pass up on opportunities. That's why when we on Friday nights, we have the bottom challah closer to us because we're eating from the bottom on Shabbos day, we reverse it. Top chal is closer because ain't my real elements. So it's talus and tefillin. So the tefillin have to be reachable. The talus has to be reachable first. 
because ain mavir and mitzvos. And in fact, if you take out your tefillin first and then you say, oh, I really should put on my talis first. No, ain mavir and mitzvos. At that point, you put on your tefillin first followed by your talis. So that's why you have to arrange your talis bag, right? And the complexity is, yes, the talis needs to be reachable first, but it also has to be under the tefillin because tefillin have more kedusha because they have parchment in them. So you have to arrange your bag where the tefillin are on top of the talis, but they're shifted in a way where you get to your talis first so that we... Uh, don't have to worry about Ainma, Vir and Allah Mitzvahs. So somebody asked if Shlomo Zaman Orbach, what if your talis and tefillin are right to left and the zipper on the bag opens and when you finish zipping, you're closer to the tefillin? He says, no, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. It's a great Shiloh. I mean, it's true. Your hand is there. So now do you go to the close side? That's not, a, it's, too, it's like almost too much. He's like, that's not Ainma, Vir and Allah Mitzvahs. So that's what we do. We have our talis uh, under our tefillin. So this is tefillin, this is talis. And it's shifted in a way where when I reach into my bag, I can grab the talis first. But if in fact you do grab your tefillin first, you have to grab your tefillin first. That would be problematic. A number of activities. Multiple times. That's yeah. what. That's how I learned it. I didn't right. learn it. Here. I, I was just sitting listening to the show rabbi. You know? <laughs> so that's what the Gemara says about Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos. So that makes it more understandable to read the Megillah and Adar Rishon because Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos. That's not right. If the, we have a date on the calendar of Yudalad Adar, that's what was written in Megillah's Tainus. That's how we know that we have the date of Purim. Why don't we read it on uh, Adar? It's a great argument. It's Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos. So we understand his opinion. Ela Rashbag, two lines from the bottom, my time. How can you say that we will be violating in my Viran elements? Well, that's effectively what you're saying, whether you like it or not. That is what's implied. So says the Gemara, uh, says the Gemara, Ela Amar Rev Rabbi Tavi, Taima Drib Shim Ben Gamliel, Miss Machkeula Legeula Adif. So here things get a little more juicy. He says that it's better to have two geulas in a row and to worry less about Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos. What does the two geulas refer to? The Rashi, the last line, Purim le Pesach. We want the month that has Purim and the month that have Pesach to be right next to one another. And those two things are more powerful than the halachic idea of Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos. So that requires research. That requires a discussion. How can it be that this idea of Ein Ma'avir and Alamitzvos, which is found throughout Shas. We just discussed the halachic sugya of how to put your thousands film. It's very, it's technical. But what, what's Rashbag thinking that you need the, who cares? What's, what's the whole idea of smichas gula legula? So that requires some, some time and some thought. But that's what the Gemara says. Rabbi Eliezer, the reason for Rabban Gamliel is a little different. That's what the Pasuk says. So he has two parts of the drasha. One is to say the word shenis, and the other is that it says if we only had every single year, I would have had the question that I just asked about that it has to be in the second month. So we're, it's, a, it's a, a Pasuk that overrides the concern of Ein Ma'avir and Ala Mitzvahs. If we only had the Pasuk Hashenis, I might have thought that we'd read the Megillah in Adar Rishon and in Adar Sheni, that that's not true, that we should read it only in the second month. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, Hai Shenis, These psukim are very strong. If the psukim are organized in such a way where we are able to trump Ein Mavir and Alamitzvos, so then how is Rabbi Yossi left with his shita that we read it in the first month because of Ein Mavir and Alamitzvos? 
No, we have psukim that override that. So he says, I agree that those psukim uh, exist, but I learn one of them differently. My avilei, what does he do with the word hashenis? First, they established Purim in Shushan. And that is what they used the word shenis for, was to expand the obligation for Purim from only being in Shushan to being all over the world. Amar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Shmuel Bar Yehuda says, Doros. I want you to be koveya me uh, for eternity. Rashi, second line, liyomto, that Purim should be forever. Shalchula, we're a little bit concerned about that, Esther, Queen Esther. Kina at If we have this day when we celebrate the destruction of all of our enemies, and it's every year, and we have a whole big, uh, you know, pile on of cars dropping off Mishlach Manos, and we're reading the Megillah, and we're clapping on the table for Haman. I mean, everybody's gonna, it's like, a, you know, sticking your finger in their eye. Like, just don't, it's, it's not right. Don't worry. Everybody knows about this already. Uh, it's not a, it's not a chiddush, and everybody knows, and it's not going to be perceived that way. Uh, next similar uh, quote uh, that is discussed is as follows. Uh, we've seen this in Shas before, um, apparently two times. It says in the Masor Shas, we saw this in Masech Sukkah, and then we saw it in Shabbos, where these four Amorayim are quoted together, Rav, Rav, Hanina, Rav, Yochanan, and Rav, Chaviva. And the Gemara says, This group is always written about together. However, Some say that it wasn't Rav, Yochanan, and it might have been Rav, Yonasan. Either way, what did they teach? I want my book to be written for generations. In other words, I want Megillus Esther to be included in the canon. I want it to be included in Tanakh. Not everything is included in Tanakh. So what was the backstory here about as to how it got involved in Tanakh? So the, the Gemara is telling us that Esther asked for this to be part of the canon. And the Gemara says, Shalchulei, these four Amorayim wrote, uh, well, I mean, they couldn't really be talking to her, but uh, that they sent back, that's a problem. It already speaks about the destruction over our enemies in the Torah, um, about Mechias Amalek, three times, and Haman was Amalek. We're not allowed to say it four times, we can only have three references, and we already have some. Ad, and then the way that this was solved was Ad Shematulo Mikra Torah. Then they found another Pasuk in the Torah that gave a little more rope, and that is how Esther got included in the canon of the 24 books of Tanakh. And says the Gemara, what's the Pasuk? Ksov Zos Zikaron Basefer. This is a Pasuk that is found in Sefer Shmos. And now we have to darshan this Pasuk to understand how we have four opportunities to speak about Mechia Samalik. Ksov Zos Zikaron Basefer. There's only four words in the Pasuk. How do you have references to four things? So the Gemara says, as follows, that which is written over here in Sefer Shmos, and that which is written in uh, Mishnah Torah, which is Sefer Dvarim, that's two references to Amalek. Zikaron, what does that Pasuk mean? And then the last one, so if you have four Mari Mekomos, four opportunities to teach about Mechias Amalek, then we can include Megillah's Esther in the canon. However, it's not so simple. It says the Gemara, about a little bit more than a third of the way down, eight lines before the wide lines, Ketanoi. There's actually a Machlokas Tanaim, how to read this Pasuk. One of them reads it like this, Ksovzos, Mashakasuf Khan, only that which is written in Shmos, excluding the one written in Mishnah Torah and Dvarim. And then Zikaron is Mashakasuf in Mishnah Torah's number two. And then Basefer, Mashakasuf in Avim, Devi Rabbi Yoshua. According to Rabbi Yoshua, there wasn't enough latitude to include Esther into the canon. 
And that's why uh, there's a machlokas tanaim about this. And then Rabbi, Eli, Rabbi Elazar Hamodai Omer, he learns the pasuk the way we initially le- learned it above. So Zos means Masha Kasuv Khan Uva Mishnah Torah. That's two. That we have Shemos and uh, Dvarim. Zikaron, that word in the pasuk means Masha Kasuv Binavim. And Basefer, Masha Kasuv Yeah, There you go. So then according to Rabbi Elazar, he says that we do have enough space uh, in the canon for another reference to Mechia Samalik, and then Megillah will be included. And the Gemara references a din that we learned a long time ago, I think in Masech Shabbos. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Esther, Eina Metames Hayadayim. Normally we assume that scrolls are Metames Hayadayim because people were leaving food there so that no one would take it, but that brought mice and the mice ate the, mice ate the parchment. So they said that it's a Metames Hayadayim, so they didn't want the food to become Tame because back in the day, Tumor Vitar ruining food was a big deal. So they made the scrolls Tame, but they said Esther is not uh, going to be Metame your hands. The scroll will not be problematic. Why not? Amar Shmuel, uh, sorry, Lememra, this implies to Savar Shmuel, Esther la beruach hakodesh nemra. This seems to imply that Esther was not written with ruach hakodesh. Uh, it seems to be the underpinning of this Gemara, of this line, is that that which is restricted by Tuma has to have been written beruach hakodesh, which is an interesting assumption. But that's what the Gemara says. So it says the Gemara, how can Shmuel leave an implication that? Um, that it was not written Beruach HaKodesh. After all, the Ha'amar Shmuel, he himself wrote first of the middle width lines that Esther Beruach HaKodesh Nemra. So we, we already know this. So then that doesn't make sense. So it says the Gemara, Namra Likros. You're right, it was said Beruach HaKodesh so that it should be read. But below Namra Lichtov, it doesn't need to be written on parchment, no big deal. And therefore the scroll may not have the uh, the status of Tuma as we discussed earlier. Says the Gemara still doesn't work. Mesve, we have a Brysa. Uh, yeah, it's a Bryce, it's a Mishnah actually in Maseches Yadayim. That's what it says here on the side. Reb Meir Omer Kohelas Enu Metame Seyadayim. Reb Meir says that Megillas Kohelas is not Metame, is not Metame by the touch of hands or by touching hands. Umachlokes Bishirashirim, there's a discussion about Shirashirim. Reb Yossi says, no, Shirashirim Metame Seyadayim, Umachlokes Bekohelas. Reb Shimon Omer Kohelas Mikule Beshamay Mechumre Beisalel. That's a discussion between the two of them about Kohelas. Aval, Rus Vishirashirim Veshter Metame. So that's a problem because now we have a brisa that says that Esther is Matame Sayodayim. But six lines ago, Rabbi Hudamar Shmuel says that Esther is not Matame Sayodayim. And he's an Amora. You can't go against the brisa. So how do we solve that problem? So the Gemara says two thirds of the way down, Huda Amar Rabbi Yoshua. Ah, now everything is blending together. He holds like Rabbi Yoshua that says that there wasn't enough space in the canon to speak about Mechias Amalek yet again, because he learned the Pasuk of Ksov Zos Zikarim Sefer is only having three opportunities. And therefore he held that it was not part of the canon. And even if it was said Baruch HaKodesh, it doesn't matter. It's not part of the canon. And therefore we, uh, he says that there's no two mothers. So that's how the two of them uh, discussed this. But this author of this Brisa held like Rabbi Lazar Bar Modai, who held that there were four spaces in the canon and therefore Megillah could be included. And therefore it is Metam and Sayyid so the machlokas of whether or not Esther would have the Tuma of Tumas Yadayim is whether or not we hold that it's part of the canon. That's basically what and it's connected it to. Right, exactly. So those, those three sugyas are all intertwined very intricately like a braid. So that's what the Gemara says. That brings us to a Brisa, Tanya, the Brisa writes, Rav, Manasya, Rav Shimon ben Manasya Omer, Koheles enu metames hayadayim shel shlomohi. This is interesting. Koheles wasn't written Beruach HaKodesh. It was written Bechachma. Ruach HaKodesh is tapping into the next level, things that we don't really understand. Maybe we've had these experiences with Rabbanan before. 
Uh, you talk to a rav and they tell you something about you that they're not supposed to know, you know, these kind of heebie-jeebie things. That, let's call that Ruach HaKodesh for now. But that's not how Kohelis was written. It was written with Chachma. Amr Lo, they said, if that's true, um, Shlomo authored a lot, a, a lot of things. Amr Lo, Bilvad Amar. He wrote all of Mishlei, all of these beautiful mashalim, the Omer, and as well, Al Tosef Al Dvarav. And as well, we know that there are a lot of things which can't be the case. Because if you say Al Tosef Al Dvarav, that you're not allowed to add to them, that implies that it's the Ruach HaKodesh. If it's Chachma, you can add more. If it's Ruach HaKodesh, you can't add more. So how do we understand this Pesukim? My Omer. How do we understand the second Pesuk of Al Tosef Al Dvarav? You can just say whatever you want. And whether or not you write it is irrelevant. That's not correct. Toshma Al Tosef Al Dvarav. No, we know that it was written to Ruach HaKodesh because you're not allowed to add to it. Tanya, the Brisa writes, we know Rabbi Eliezer Omer Esther Baruch HaKodesh Nemra. And now the Gemara is going to bring a bunch of riots for this. How do we know that Esther was written Baruch HaKodesh from the text itself? Shanemar by Yomer Haman Bilibo. How would we know what Haman said in his heart if not for the fact that it was written Baruch HaKodesh? This was part of the story where he said, uh, where he was called in by Achashverosh, and Achashverosh said, How, what should I do to treat someone who's been so good to the king? So he says, walk them on a, on a horse adorned in the clothes of the Melech, and they're going to call before him. You know, oh, this is, uh, this is how the king treats people who are good to him. Beautiful. So that, that because we wrote that it, the, because the Navi, the Megillah writes, excuse me, that it was Bilibo in his heart. We have no other way of knowing. It must have been that it was written Benevuah. Rabbi Kiva Omer Esther Baruch Hakodesh Nemar for a different reason. Shneemar Bati Esther No Se Schein Beinei Koroya that everyone uh, felt comfortable around her, that everyone liked her. So good. How, how do we know that everybody liked her? We don't know that everybody liked her. So it must be that it was Baruch Hakodesh. Rabbi Meir Omer Esther Baruch Hakodesh Nemar for another pasuk. Shneemar by Yivada Hadavar LeMordechai by Big Son and Teresh that he it became known to him. What does that mean? It must be Baruch Hakodesh. Rabbi Yosi Ben Dormaskis. This is the fourth sheet. Omer Baruch Baruch Hakodesh Nemar Shneemar Uvabizalo Shalchuves Yadam. That when the Jews were went on a uh, on a killing path uh, over the course of the end of the story of the Megillah, they didn't touch any of the spoils. How do you know? The people were dead. Who's there to talk about it? So says the Gemara, Amar Shmuel, Shmuel's an Amora. The previous four comments were all from Tanoim. So Shmuel says, Yehavoy Hasam, had I lived at their time, I would not have said any of their psukim. Hava Amin, I would have said, Milsa da Adifa Mikul, I would have said something that's better than all of their comments. I have the biggest proof ever that Esther was written, Baruch HaKodesh, Amar Kimu Vikiblu. The Pasuk says in, uh, in the Megillah, Kimu Vikiblu. And while in Masechah Shabbos, we know the famous Joshua of Kimu Mashikiblu Kfar, that the Jews now accepted upon themselves the Torah in a more pure form, because in the initial one, the mountain was held over their head, Kafalem Harkigigis. So the Gemara says, uh, what happened? What does it mean, Kimu Vikiblu? So that means that they rekindled the Torah, they uh, re. Uh, they renewed their vows. So here, this drush is a little different. Kimu Vikiblu, 12 lines from the bottom. Kimu Lamala Mashikiblu Lamata that uh, the upstairs and the downstairs, what's going on upstairs in the heavens and what's going on uh, down here with the Jews was all aligned. There's no way to know that. Uh, that's, a, that's upstairs information. That means you have to have a Racha Kodesh. And Omar Rava, Rava lived a couple generations after Shmuel, and he said after hearing the Sugi, he saw the Sugi with all the Tanaim, and then he saw Shmuel's comment. He said, Omar Rava, lakulu islu pircha, levarmi de Shmuel de lesla pircha. All of the Shitas that we just quoted who, that are trying to prove Racha Kodesh, they all have problems with them except for Shmuel's Shita. And then he goes through all of them. The Rabbi Eliezer Svarahu. The low hava inish the chash of the malka kavase haman, where we said that haman said belibo in his heart. 
No, uh, Haman made a svara. Who was the most important person in the kingdom other than the king? It was Haman. They want to do such good things to him. They must be there talking about me. We're projecting what he was thinking because of the context. It's contextual learning. I don't, we don't always know what every word in the Gemara means. Sometimes we're like, I don't know, but I know exactly what's happening. He doesn't know what the one word means. So we don't know exactly what happened in Haman's heart, but in context, he assumed that uh, that, that Achashverosh was talking about him to walk him through the streets. He thought he was talking about him, so that was what it meant. That would be a kasha on him. And then next, the Rebbe Akiva, the pasuk by Rebbe Akiva, the pasuk that he said was that Esther was no seischen that everybody liked her. Dilma Lazar. Maybe we uh, understand Esther like we understand Rebbe Lazar. Nobody knew she was Jewish. She looked, uh, I guess, of Persian descent. Her skin color matched all of the other communities around her. Everybody thought they were from her. She was from their country. <laughs> so says the Gemara. That's where Rebbe Lazar. Everyone's like, Oh, you must be from Persia. Oh, you must be from Chush. Oh, you must be from here. That no one. She's like, Sure, yeah, I, I live wherever you think I live. No problem. Problem. And that's why the Rebbe Meir, the pasuk that Rebbe Meir said, which was Vayivada Hadavar Lamordechai, is that that wasn't because of Ruach Hakodesh. Dilma Abba. Maybe it was like the sheet of Rebbe Abba, who says Amar Bixan Viseresh Shnei Tarsim Habu. They were from a country of Tarsim, and Mordechai spoke seventy languages and knew their language. He heard them talking. Vayivada became known because they didn't think he knew that they knew he was a Jew, so they thought he spoke the local parlance of Farsi, whatever they spoke. I have no idea. And Hebrew and maybe a little Yiddish. I doubt it. It's very doubtful. <laughs> the Persians don't speak Yiddish, but he knew their language. So because of that, all is well. So there's no, no proof of uh, prophecy from here. Had Rabbi Yossi ben Dormaskis, his shita, which was of the opinion that the Pasuk was that they didn't take from the spoils. Dilma, Prisiki Shadur, maybe there were witnesses, maybe there were some uh, some messengers who saw what was going on, and they passed on the word. Wow, those Jews are amazing. They didn't take anything, even when they could have. Everyone was dead, and they would have had every right. They wanted to kill all the Jews. Would have been right for them to take it. No problem. That's not a problem. And there was no one to steal from anymore because they were all dead. It's not even Geneva. Fine. So that's what the Gemara says. But the Shmuel, ah, the beautiful sheet of Shmuel of Kimu Bekiblu, there, Vaday Lesley Pircha, there's no one who could ask a question on that. Amar Ravina, Ravina says, Hainu da Amri Inchi, Tavachada Pilpalta, Harifta. It's better to have one, um, one pepper seed, Mimalit Sani Kari, than a basket full of melons. It's a little bit of a derogatory comment to all of the Tanaim who are now being equated with large melons relative to one little pepper seed. Uh, but apparently Shmuel was extremely uh, capable in his own right in ways that we don't understand. Like we, the greats of this generation refer to themselves as relative to the previous generation. And going back, everybody felt the same way about the previous generation. Remember, Moshe Feinstein felt that about the Gra, And the Gra felt that way about, uh, I, I don't know, the, the Ramchal. I don't know, I keep going back. We can't even fathom the, the greatness. Like these people were on a whole nother level of mastery of self. It just, uh, it's just so hard to understand. So these phrases, are, they're, they're out of our realms a little bit, but that's what the Gemara says. Is you're trying to compare one pepper seed, one Shmuel to an entire basket of melons. Says the Gemara, the Shmuel vaday less lepirch. Amar Ravina, okay, next line. Rav Yosef Amar Mehacha. Rav Yosef says that we know that Esther was written beruach hakodesh from the following pasuk. Vimei hapurim ha'ele lo yavru mitoch ha'yehudim. This is brilliant. He says, um, how did we know at the time that the Megillah was written that people would keep Purim forever? There are plenty of things in Megillah's times that were scrapped. 
So says Rav Yosef, the Horaya, that it must be that this is Nevoah, because in the times of Rav Yosef, it had already been, what, a thousand years? I don't know. It's been a little while since the Purim story. So we, people were still keeping it. So, but who says it's going to be kept all the way in the future? So that's a beautiful Raya. And Rav Nachman, similarly, Rav Nachman, Rav Yitzhak, Omer Mehacha, Bezichram Lo Yasuf Mizara. The memory of this will not fade from the Jewish people. And in fact, of course, that remains true. So a lot of different Raya's to say that it's written Baruch HaKodesh. Uh, sometimes you see this in the Torah, you know, you know, like these phrases. Uh, so when you see these kinds of things, it's kind of a little bit, a little bit of a prophetic lens. This almost belongs in like the Aish manual for like, uh, for proving that the Torah is authentic, the discovery program. Exactly. Yeah, there's not a lot of things like that. And uh, okay, fine, another time. So it says the Gemara as follows at the two dots toward the bottom of the page. Sorry for the long share, it's just a huge amount of information. In regards to the mitzvah of Mishloach Manos, this is quoted in Shulchan Aruch, you should give two units, two different foods, sometimes uh, maybe two different brachos, two different foods uh, to one person. That's how you fulfill Mishloach Manos. But when you're giving to the poor, not just to a friend, but to poor people, you have to give two foods to two people. The thigh of the iglatilsa, this wonderful delicate delicacy piece of meat, the garba de chamra, and as well a container of wine. Rashi at the bottom of the page says iglatilsa is shlishi the and the third child. Others uh, say that an iglatilsa is not that, but rather it is an animal that is um, only only cooked a third. Uh, it's like uh, suvi, I think was what the language it said that partially cooked meat. Brandis called it out. I don't know, but it's it's, it's very very good. Shalach Lei sent him, Kayam Tabanu Rabbeinu, you fulfilled the, the, the dictum, the Pasuk that's in Megillah, Mishloach Manos Ish, we're going to stop at the Mishnah, so we have about uh, 30 more lines to go, and then we'll be done. We take out the words of Matanos Le'avyonim, because he didn't fulfill the, the Matanos Le'avyonim, that's not correct. He wasn't an Evyon, the person wasn't poor, he gave him uh, Mishloach Manos. Rabba Shadr Le'lamari Bar Mar, he sent him a gift, Rabba, third century of Amorim, he sent uh, Mishloach Manos. And he sent it biyadabai, and it was male. It was a full taska, a basket of the kispa, a full basket of dates. Umale kasachamra de afshuna. It was a certain type of flour that had a very sweet flavor to it. Amar le abaye abaye says to him, Hashda Amar Mari. Mari is going to say about you, Raba, Ichakla Malka lahaba. If you had been a farmer, dikula mitzavora lonachis, you've never taken the basket, uh, the feeding basket, off of your neck, meaning you're giving simple food that everybody has. And then uh, says the Gemara. Hadar Shadar Hadar Shadar lay, and then Mari sent back a gift to Rabba. He sent back a basket that was filled with ginger. And he gave back very long peppers. Maybe it's red peppers. Maybe it's a spicy jalapeno. I don't know what the I don't know what this is referring to. But Amar Abaye Abaye says to Mari Hashta Amar Mar Rabba is going to say about you. I sent him sweet food. The flour and dates that I sent were sweet. And you're sending me very strong flavored food. Ginger raw ginger is very hard to eat ginger ale is very good for the stomach it's uh, good for you but to eat straight ginger is probably very i don't know i've never tasted it but it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you'd want to eat as a candy and you send very flavorful foods amar abaye abaye said when i left the house of, of mar of my master um, so it was pretty amazing. He had quite the food. Have a savanna. I was very full. When I got there, Krivuli, they put in front of me shitin 60, 60 plates, the shitin minek of 60 kinds of foods. It's the smorgasbord 
of smorgasbords. And I ate 60 portions. The 60th of them all was the most flavorful of them all. It was a pot roast. I wanted to eat the plate when I was done. It was so good. The mekas, the fortune point out, is kisus. It's a type of chewing, which is like not a good kind of chewing. It's like... Uh, not like healthy joints, so we don't eat plates. So that's what the Gemara says. Sometimes my kids, when they like like the food, they you know, pick up the plate and they just lick the plate top to bottom until it's clean as can be. So it was obviously very flavorful. Says the Gemara, Starving are the poor and they don't even know it. Once you get your appetite going, this is true of some people, then you just can't stop eating. So we discuss this in my family a lot. A lot of us in my family, when we get full, we stop eating. And there are people who are like, what does that mean? What does full and stopping to eat have to do with each other? So I can't eat when I'm full and other people can. I don't even understand it. Says the Gemara, Inami, there's another phrase. This is a well-known catchphrase that people uh, say in regards to dessert. You can always find room for the sweets. You can always find room for the desserts. This is a fact. One third of the way down, they would alternate years of having meals with one another on Purim. Amarava, and this is the famous din of drinking alcohol on Purim. A man is obligated to become mevusam, to become intoxicated on Purim. Um, until he is so drunk that he doesn't know the difference this is a big discussion in the postgame as to whether or not there's an absolute to drink according to some you can take a drink and take a nap and when you fall asleep you will not be but one thing is for sure if you drink and you act like a behema you're not supposed to drink that's for sure that's for sure there's no there's no outlet for this one of my friends was in a master's uh, in a master's program um, I think in YU, and somebody raised their hands, they were talking about alcohol, they said, the Jews got it right, they have one day off. So the guy in the room said, excuse me, excuse me, you don't have a day off. You have to be a mensch 365 days a year. And if you can't drink like a mensch, then don't drink. The mitzvah is not to drink. The mitzvah is to reach a certain level. Fine, whatever that means. Nichnes yayin, sod. Yayin is wine in the gematria 70, and sod is a depth of learning. Right, we have shot remez drash. So the deepest level of learning can be tapped into. Fine, I got it. But if you're a behemagasa when you're drinking, then don't drink. That's uh, my rabbi. We're always very clear about that. The mitzvah is not to be a behema. The mitzvah is to be a good person, and it's not a day off. It is a day on. And Yom Kippurim, the day that Yom Kippur is only like the day of Purim. Purim is the higher level. Yom Kippurim, Purim is the Yom Kippur is the second level. It's a, it's a peak day. So if anyone is planning on being a behema, they should not be drinking. Rabba and Rabzeira, again, third century, they had their Sudas Purim together. Ifsum, they got very drunk. Kam Rabba and Shachtel Rabzeira. Literally, it means that he slaughtered Rabzeira. The basic shot in the Gemara is he actually killed him because the next line wouldn't make any sense. Lamachar, after he woke up, Rabba realized what he did, which was very bad. No problem. I'm just going to daven and everything is going to be okay. And he revived him. Some of Forsham say this isn't literal. Okay. Lashana, the next year, Rabbah sends out an invite and he's like, hey, last year was so much fun. Omar Nasi Marvin come over. I get the same food as last year. Omar thank you for the invitation, but I will politely or not so politely decline. You don't always get to be the beneficiary of a miracle. I'm glad you know how to daven. Please daven for me. I'm not coming for Purim. 
Our final sugya for the day, that one is not allowed to have their sudas purim at night, it needs to start during the day. My It says during the day. Uh, that was interesting because of the following story. It seemed that, that somebody didn't know this. Ravashi, who lived after Rava, Ravashi and Ravina were two of the uh, editors of the Gemara, not the Gemara as we know it, but a previous iteration of the Gemara where there were only Mishnayas and Brises and Memras, raw statements, but most of the Shaklavatari was written later by the Savurayim, a group after uh, the Amurayim. Ravashi Abayasiv Kamidir of Kahana, he went to the base medrash to go learn on Purim day. Nagai was very late below Asurabana. The Khabar didn't come to the base medrash to learn. Amarle, my time alo Asurabana. Why, where is everybody? So he said, Dilma Tridi Bisudas Purim. Maybe there it's the daytime. Maybe everybody's eating their suda. So the student said to the Rebbe, Amarle, Velo Hava Afsha the Mechla Buurta. Why didn't they eat at night? Why come learn? What is wrong with you? We've got to be in the base medrash. Amarle, Lo Shmile Lamar, Hada Amar Rava, Sudas Purim, Shaakla Balaila Yatsudehalasa. You, you, what you, you, they're ABCs, right? Again, we take it for granted. We know these halachas like, like it's simple. Pasha, these Amorim Pasha didn't know. They like it's unbelievable the development of halacha. They're living the development of halacha. They didn't know that the Zudas Purim had to be during the day. Amarle, Amar did he really say that? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Amarle, in in fact he did, and that's how we know that. So he learned it forty times because he wanted to get it into his bones. Tana mine arba in zimnin. He learned the whole sugya forty times. The dummy lay came out the manach bekisa. He learned it forty times, and then that is something that it's as if he had it in his pocket. This is one of the klalim people say about learning. If you learn things forty times, it's in, it's in the vault. But as we started out today, or I was right close to the beginning, is that here we need some siyata bishmaya. Memory is not just about the yigia; it is also about having siyata bishmaya. We'll stop here at the mishnah. Too much learning for one day. We'll stop right here. Wishing you all a beautiful day. Too much learning.